Off to the streets for fast money, fast girls, and gunplay. The good apple is turned rotten, is what some say. It's upset. God will change his life one day. Was it the hood he was raised in? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Who's excited about the word this morning? Come on. Come on. We said happy Mother's Day a hundred times already. We're past it. We love you guys. Let's get into the word. Let's get excited about the word. Amen. I want to start today. I want to read somebody's Facebook status. Those of you that had me as a friend just got scared. I didn't even ask this person if I could read their Facebook status. Mr. Richie Santana, are you here? Mr. Santana, would you stand up for a moment? I've chosen your Facebook status to read this morning. I haven't asked you, so I hope you don't get mad at me. But this is what he wrote yesterday. To all the mothers, what would you do if your child, or in this case your son, got kicked out of Sunday school numerous times? If your son wasn't very good in school and was so rebellious, he left the church to pursue the lure of this world. Well, my mother prayed unceasingly for me. And while God never told her when, he assured her that he would use me for his purposes. Today, almost 40 years later, I'm graduating from the Alliance Theological Seminary with a Master's of Divinity in Bible and Theology with honors. So moms, do not stop praying for your children. Happy Mother's Day. Keep the faith. Can we say congratulations, Rich? Amen. 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 So keep the faith, parents. Keep on praying. He was kicked out of Sunday school. <laughs> and God got him back by making him do all that work and homework and papers and research. <laughs> Praise God. Here's a, here's a quote this morning. One of the most powerful things a father can do for his children is to love their mother. Aye. We starting heavy. Let's get right into the word. In First and Second Timothy. First and Second Timothy, their letters to, th to Timothy from his mentor, Paul. And, and Paul has poured out into Timothy, and these letters are to encourage him. And in one of these letters, Paul takes a second to give a special shout-out. And I want you to listen to the shout-out that Paul gives in this letter to Timothy, which becomes the Bible, which becomes something that people will read for thousands and thousands of years. So Paul's shout-out gets locked into history for everyone to read. You ready? 2 Timothy 1.5, he says, I'm reading in the Amplified, so it's louder. Uh, that's a Bible joke. All right, good, two people. Um, 
Second Timothy 1.5, I'm calling up memories of your sincere and unqualified faith. The leaning of your entire personality on God in Christ in absolute trust and confidence in His power, His wisdom, and His goodness. A faith that first lived permanently in the heart of your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and now I am fully persuaded dwells in you also. Amen? A faith that first lived in grandma and then in mom and now lives in you. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. For God did not give us a spirit of fear but a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Somebody say amen. That's such an awesome thing today. We want to be able to celebrate that. Some of us have had the blessing of having some incredible moms. If that's you, would you give a little shout out? Amen. Some of us have had the blessing of having some powerful grandmas. If that's you, would you give a shout out? Amen. So... So to the moms who protected us, who supported us, who instructed us, who were loyal to us, we honor you today and we thank you. Amen? But now the reality is some of us didn't have that. And that makes days like this very difficult for us. Somebody say amen? Days like this remind us of what we didn't have. Days like this remind us of what we didn't do, who we weren't, who we were. And it's, it's hard, I have to tell you, as a minister, it's hard to take a day to honor mothers and at the same time be sensitive to those who didn't have that. Whose moms were maybe less than honorable or whose moms were not even there. And maybe even some of those moms are here today as well. And you've lived with regrets and some shame because you feel like you could have done more, you should have done more, right? What's key to me this morning and what I'd like to focus on, no matter where you stand today, as we honor some, as we respect some, as we miss some and mourn some, listen, as we release some, as we forgive some. What I want to focus on this morning is the overwhelming, healing, covering, restoring, redeeming, repairing, reconciling, inconceivable grace of God. Amen? And that's exactly what we've been talking about in this series. Grace, I love this quote, grace is like water. It flows down and gathers at the lowest parts. Mm. That's, that's bueno, right? Grace flows like water. You know, you can pour water and pour water, and what does water do? Water finds its way down to the lowest part, and there it pools. That's the grace of God. It goes down to the lowest parts and pools. What we need this morning is grace. What we need in every instance is grace. What we need to accept is grace. What we need to give is grace. What we need to walk in and walk through and walk out is grace. Amen? 
So the series is titled, Forget What You Heard. This message is titled, I See You. I See You. And this is story number three in this series. This passage that we're going to share this morning, we've, we've talked about it before because we've gone through the entire book of Genesis as a church. And this passage is found in Genesis 16. I would encourage you to turn there if you have your Bibles. Genesis 16. It's important to, to, to go. Listen, if, if I was you and, and, and you know, I was on your end, and if somebody's telling me I'm going to read to you a passage from Genesis 16, I would check it because that guy on the stage, he could have fallen and bumped his head, and he could be making stuff up. Right? He could, have, he could be talking all kinds of desparate, and if, it's, if, if, if I were you, I would check to make sure that what he's reading is really in the Word. Amen? That's just a side note. So Genesis 16 is the story of a unique mom in a very difficult situation. Her name was Hagar. Genesis 16.1 starts like this. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. An Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. And so she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children, so go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Now let me give you a little context, a little background info. God had made this promise to Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. And that his sons would be too numerous to count. But here he was in his 80s, say 80s. And Sarai was getting pretty old too. And they had yet to have one child. It had been close to 10 years since the promise and still no children for Abraham. So God makes a promise, you're going to be the father of many, many, many nations. Too numerous, as much as the sands are in the, in the, in the beach, as much as the stars are in the sky, that's going to be your, your, your generation. And he's in his 80s and he's got no kids. How many know that's a problem? Amen? Come on, that's an issue. And so they've been now waiting 10 years. But, but side note, if you know the story, they haven't been waiting patiently on the Lord, doing everything they should be doing. Right? The truth is, they've been some places where they shouldn't have been. They did some things that they shouldn't have done. They got themselves mixed up in some areas that they shouldn't have been mixed up in. So it wasn't like they were sitting patiently waiting for the Lord for 10 years. As a matter of fact, the reason they have Hagar... Hagar was an Egyptian maid servant. She was a slave from Egypt. So the chances are they got Hagar when they went to Egypt, when they were running away from the land because there was a famine, right? God had sent them to go to a land. They get to a land, and then there's a famine in the land, and they said, forget this. We don't have to trust God here for the famine. There's a famine. Let's go to Egypt. And so they went to Egypt, a place that God never told them to go. They go to Egypt. I'm fast-forwarding the story real, real quick, right? So they get to Egypt, and in Egypt, he, 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 um, Abraham gets a little scared, right? He, he wusses out a little bit, and he says, Yo, Sarai, you are such a hottie that if I bring you into Egypt, people are going to kill me because they want to take you, right? So he says, let's do this. Let's tell everybody that you're my sister. 
That way nobody try to kill me to take you. A amen? Okay, so you know what's going on, right? So he gets there, and, and what happens? The truth of the matter is, she must have been such a hottie that everybody looks at her and says, Oh my goodness, she, she should be with the Pharaoh. And so the, the people take her, and they bring her to the Pharaoh, and she becomes one of the Pharaoh's women, or she's about to, and that's where they take her. And because, because she's so you know, good-looking, and because they want her so bad, um, the Pharaoh treats Abram real special. He starts giving him sheep and cattle and maidservants and manservants. So that's probably where they got Hagar. Then when, when God sends a plague because God didn't want her to be defiled by the Pharaoh, God sends a plague and he's, he realizes, oh, you lied. He throws him out of Egypt, but he lets him keep all his stuff. So this is how Abram and Sarah end up with Hagar, an Egyptian maidservant, right? So they leave. The, the Pharaoh lets them keep all of their stuff. And so, so understand, Hagar, to Abraham and Sarah, she was just stuff. You understand? She was a maidservant from Egypt. She wasn't one of her people. She wasn't one of their people. She wasn't of, 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 of you know, from them. She was a maidservant. She was just stuff that the Pharaoh gave them. So I want you to kind of get in Hagar's head today and, and think of what Hagar must be feeling, how she must, the worth that she must have, what she must be thinking. She was just stuff. As a matter of fact, Hagar, her name means stranger. Her name means stranger. Can you imagine? Hey, stranger. Like, right? That's so, there's, there's no dignity in that, right? Hi, stranger. I don't even know your name. Your name is stranger. So she was property of Sarah. And so uh, understand also, to be with these people, she, she grew up in Egypt. In Egypt, man, there's castles and palaces, and they have the best of everything. Even though she was still a servant in Egypt, in Egypt, she, in Egypt, she lived well. Now, she's given to these Hebrews who are nomads. They're tent dwellers. They live in tents. So to her, this is a step down. She's been given away by her people. She's been rejected. She's been given as property. This was a step down that she's given to these Hebrews. And so now, they're back. They're living in the land that they were called to. And now they're waiting on God's promises. And they're saying, God, you're taking too long. Amen. Isn't it funny how we can take our time when it comes to following God? <laughs> we can take our time when it comes to how long we take to get things right and to make things right. But then once we get serious with God, we want God to hurry up. Amen? Come on, I hear, I hear your prayers on Wednesday sometimes. You came to God yesterday and you mad because he didn't fix it by today. He didn't fix the thing that you messed up for 10 years. Right? We, we, we always in a hurry. But and anyway, the, the Word says those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Amen? So Sarah decides to help God out with His promise. Tell somebody, God don't need no help. If God said He's going to do it, He'll do it. Amen? So, God, God, you know, she says, man, we need to help God out. Maybe if you sleep with my maid, and I can have a kid through her. And so Abraham's not, a, you know, Abraham said, well, you know, if that's what you want me to do. <laughs> Come on, fellas. Don't let me hang in. Abraham says, if that's what you want me to do, I do it. 
And so Abraham agreed to what Sarai said. And so the word says in, in, in verse 3, So after Abraham had been living in, the, in Canaan ten years, Sarai took his wife, Sarai his wife took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. And when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. And then Sarai said to Abram, you're responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. <laughs> Come on, the men, men should be laughing. Because you know this is what it's like, right? Your wife said, do this. So you did it. And now it's your fault. Amen? Amen. Side note. Men, just because your wife says you can do something, doesn't mean it's a good idea. Everything is permissible. Not everything is beneficial for us. Okay, side note. Over. So Abram tells her, he says, now she's acting up. She's acting a fool now. She thinks she's better than me because she's pregnant. She, you can imagine all the neck rolling that Sarai's doing right now, right? She thinks she all that now because she's pregnant. She got a little baby bump. She thinks she can, and she's going off. And so Abram tells her, well, she's your property. Do, do whatever you want with her. So you see how they regarded her. He said, that's your stuff. Then clean it up. Do whatever you want with her. And so Sarai started treating her harshly, the word says. See, you have to understand something. In that culture, when a maidservant is chosen to, to, have a, to, to, to have that relation with the leader of the tribe, if, if she were to have that, that sexual relationship and become pregnant, that would automatically bring her status up a notch. That would make her like a concubine. That would make her like a second wife, they, they would call it in that time. So that would afford her some status. And so she believed that now because she's pregnant, she had a higher status. She was somebody now. Now she's the concubine. She's the second wife. And so she might have, you know, started acting like that. But Hagar, Hagar thought that now she was pregnant, she's going to be treated differently. But the truth is they saw her as property. They just saw her as stuff. And so Hagar was a stranger to them. She was property and now she was pregnant and she was being mistreated. At a time when she thought that things were going to be looking up, that things were going to get better, things turned for the worse. Anybody been there? She thought now that she had a baby daddy, she was going to step up and be taken care of. Anybody been there? She was disappointed. She thought now that she had a baby daddy, she'd be taken care of. Side note, ladies, if he was a jerk before you slept with him, if he didn't take care of you before you slept with him, if he didn't provide before you slept with him, Making him your baby daddy is not going to change him. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay, side note over. Back to the word. So, so it gets so bad for Hagar that she decides to run away. You ever felt like just running away? She takes off. She is hurt. 
She's abused. She's disrespected. She's rejected. She's pregnant and the baby daddy ain't standing up for her. She now, she is a single mom alone. I want you to really understand where this lady is. She runs away and she heads for Egypt. But the word says, and here's what I want you to see. We've been doing this series where we just talk about a passage in scripture and we look in that passage to see where grace happens. Right? And we've done that for, for two stories. This is the third story. And so we just want to read this passage, see what happened in this story, and find where grace happens. So right here, here's the part I want you to see. Put your phones away. Don't be distracted. Press in. She runs away. She's alone. She's pregnant. She's running like this through the, through the, right? She, 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 we're talking desert. We're not talking streets. We're talking wilderness. You understand? She's, she's out there with nothing. She couldn't pack a duffel bag. She didn't have, she don't have one of those little things with the wheels. She, she, they don't have wheels back then yet, right? I don't, I don't know, but you know, she definitely don't got one of those little bags with wheels. She's on her own. She's in chancletas out in the wilderness and, and, and pregnant. And she's rejected. And she's alone. And she's hurt. She's been cast out by her own people. And now she's been cast out by these people. So she's been, her name means stranger. She's been hated by her own people. And now she's hated by the new set of people that she was given to. She has a baby daddy that, that told her mom, do whatever you want with her. And she was treated so harshly that she felt like she cannot continue. You ever felt like you cannot go on? Like you can't keep going? It's too difficult. It's too hard. I don't matter. I'm nothing. This is her mindset right now. She's running. <coughs> Here's where I want you to see. Verse 7, Genesis 16. It says, The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to shore. And the word tells us that so that we understand where she is. She was heading back to Egypt. She was on the road that goes right back to where she came from. She feels, at least maybe if I get to my own people, at least maybe there's somebody to love me. At least if I can make it back to my people, at least there maybe somebody will see me pregnant, will see me hurt, will see me crying. At least there maybe somebody will take care of me. She's on the road and it says the angel of the Lord found Hagar. Now understand whenever the word in that in, is used in this setting, the angel of the Lord, it means, it doesn't mean this seven foot guy with wings. Or this lady with Victoria's Secret, you know, stuff. Whenever it says the angel of the Lord, it's, it's, a, it's a, the presence of God. It's a manifestation of the pre-incarnate Christ. I don't have time to get all into that. But it's the presence of God. So let's read it that way. God found Hagar by the spring on her way, on her journey. Amen? And God says, verse 8, Hagar, servants of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? Where have you come from 
And where are you going? Side note, when God asks a question, it's not because He doesn't know the answer. Children, it's like when your mother or your father asks you a question. He, probably, he or she probably already knows the answer. He's just giving you an opportunity to assess the situation you've got yourself in and give you a chance to tell the truth. Amen? Take that. If you learn that, you'll be good. So when God asks, where have you come from and where are you going? It's not because all of a sudden God was walking down the street and he bumps into Hagar. He says, oh, snap. Where are you going? Where are you coming from? God is everywhere. God knows everything. Amen? He knows. It says that the hair on your head are numbered. Look at me. The hair on my head is numbered by him. Look, I just went like that and lost one and he just changed the count. Because he loves me that much that he knows me that much. Amen? Okay, so, so he says, She stops by a spring of water to be refreshed and God, the living water, meets her there and calls her by name. God is telling her, I know you. I know who you are. I know what you do. You are known to me. And listen, we can stop here and rest all day. Watch, watch. Just rest right here all day. Rest. I know you. I know who you are. You are known to me. And we could, we could put ourselves in Hagar's skin for a moment and we could answer that back. We could say, but I'm just Hagar. My name means stranger. I'm just a slave. I'm not Jewish. I'm not even from your people, God. God, I don't even know if I believe in you. I wasn't raised to believe in you. I don't even know if I know you, God. I'm just Hagar. I'm, I'm not part of the promise. As a matter of fact, I'm a byproduct of sin. Put yourself in the skin for a minute. She could say back, as a matter of fact, God, in my belly is a mistake that Sarah and Abram made because they didn't even trust you. And those are your people, and they didn't trust you. It's a, it, I, I'm a reminder to you, God, that they failed you. I'm not a Hebrew, I'm an Egyptian. Nobody loves me, nobody cares about me. I'm just a single mom. My parents sold me into slavery for money, probably. I'm nobody to the Hebrews. I was nobody to the Egyptians. I'm nobody. And God appears to her, and God says, but I see you. Can we just grab that today? I see you. God says, I know you. I care for you. I'm watching over you. I'm with you. You, you feel like nobody sees what you go through. You think nobody understands. You think nobody cares. You think nobody knows. I see you and I know you. Hagar. Maidservant of Sarai. Somebody needs to receive that right now. I'm not just talking to moms anymore. God is saying, I see you. 
I brought you here today to tell you that I see you, that you're known to me. I know who you are, I know what you do, and I know what you go through. Can somebody just receive that today? God meets her and God makes a promise to her right there. He tells her, I want you to go back to Sarai. I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. You have to remember that in that culture, a woman's value was based on her descendants. If a woman couldn't have any children, she was worthless in that culture. A woman that had many children, especially sons, was rich. She was valued. She was highly favored. God says, I'm going to so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. See, what the enemy meant for evil, I'm going to use for your good. Somebody needs to hear that today. Somebody, somebody in the back there, you need to hear what the enemy meant for evil, I'm going to use for good. He tells her, you're going to have a son. And you're going to name him Ishmael. Ishmael means God hears. Understand, the daughter, the, 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 the son of this Egyptian slave is the first, has the first baby that is named in the word before it's born. God chose this Egyptian maid. So you want to talk about the grace of God. He chose this nobody, and she's going to have the first baby that was named before it was born. And you have to understand what a prophetic word this is, because she didn't have her sonogram yet. She didn't, she didn't post that little black picture on her Facebook yet. That, you know, that looks like a little worm, but it's somebody's baby, and everybody goes, oh, Okay, Lindo, it looks like the father. It's a black dot. Come on, bro. Come on. Hey, when people lie like that. So God says, you're going to have a son and you're going to name him Ishmael. Now, she's just pregnant. She, she don't know what she's going to have. God says, I know you. The word says, before you were knit together in your mother's womb, I know you. And so God already knew that it's a man, that it's a boy in there. And he says, you're going to name him Ishmael. Hagar was able to return back to Sarah because she now had a purpose in life. Because she had now been recognized. Because she had now been acknowledged. Because her pain and everything she's been through had been acknowledged. Somebody said, I understand. I see. I know what you've been through. See, when you understand that God sees you, it starts to matter less who doesn't see you. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. I'm preaching better than you're responding. That's, that's, when you, when you understand that God sees you, that God knows you, then it starts to matter a little bit less who doesn't see you and who doesn't know you. You're like, I'm known by God. God knows me. He calls me by name. You don't know me, that's your loss. You want to talk about me, have fun. You want to let the haters hate, amen? 
God knows me. He sees me. When you understand that God's, that you're known by God, it starts to matter a little less who doesn't know you, who doesn't like you, who doesn't care about you. It starts to matter a little bit left, less who left you, who abandoned you, who threw you out. Somebody get, get strong today. Come on. God says, I see you. And all of a sudden, Hagar is overwhelmed with this reality. And, and she does something crazy. She gives God a name. You have to understand, in this culture, for her, to, her name to even have been mentioned in the Bible, is how many times do you know is they, they, in the stories we read about the woman at the well? The woman with the issue of blood. They don't even have names. They don't even tell you their names. Their names are not even important. They don't, they don't rate you understand? But God says, I know you. I see you. You matter to me. And so she names God. In verse 13, she gave the, this name to the Lord who spoke to her. She says, you are the God who sees me. You are El Roi, the God who sees me. She says, for I have now seen the one who sees me. And she's, she's so overwhelmed, she, she even names the well where, where God met her. She says, this, this well will be named Be'er Lahai Roi, well of the living one who sees me. She's overwhelmed that God sees her. Church, would you grab that today? No matter what you're going through. <coughs> Even, even in that, God displays His grace for us here when He allows an Egyptian maidservant named Stranger to give Him a name, El Roi, the God who sees. Worship team, you guys can come up. Guzik, in his commentary, he says, The poor slave, the stranger, the runaway... The Egyptian suffering under the severity of her hasty, unbelieving mistress is seen by the all-wise and merciful God. He permits her to go to the desert. He provides a spring to quench her thirst. And then He appears to her to instruct and to comfort her. How gracious is our God. Family, there's much more to the story, but I don't think it matters much right now. I believe with all of my heart that what God wants us to know today is that I see you. If that speaks to your heart today, I'm going to ask you to respond to that word because I think that's just a powerful word. Can we just all stand for a moment? Can we maybe just bow our heads just to get your minds off your phones and your Facebooks and your, and your neighbors and the dress this one's wearing or not wearing? God wants to speak to your heart today. He says, I see you. You may be struggling because it's Mother's Day. Your struggle may have nothing to do with that at all. I want you to know that God sees your struggle, that He knows you and He knows what you've been through. 
You could be like Hagar today, a stranger to God. A single mom, a single dad, just going through it. You could be like a Sarah today. You've been waiting for his promise. And you've done all kinds of dumb things to try to help him along. And you may be growing tired of the waiting, thinking God, God's not coming through for me. God has forgotten me. But God today brought you here today to tell you that I see you. My daughter, I see you. You're known to me. You may be an Abraham. You've made some poor choices as a husband, as a father, or with a relationship. I want to challenge you today also. If you want to meet El Roy, the God who sees, then we want to pray for you today. If you need, if you want to make a step today, you need, listen, this, you might have thought, well, this is Mother's Day. This is about, this is about you today, whoever you are. You that's sitting here saying, I don't think God sees me. I don't think God knows me. Maybe he knew me when I was younger, when he had called me to do this thing, but I never did that thing, and I did my own thing, and I've done so many stupid things after that, that now God doesn't even know me. And I believe with all my heart that God is saying, you, son of, I see you. You're known to me. And I believe he's calling us to respond. If you need to know, if you want to know El Roy, I don't normally do it this way, but I want to do it this way. I want to challenge you. If you want to know the God who sees, if you need to have an encounter with him today, I want you to come forward, man. Just leave everything. Leave, just leave everyone. Just step out of your seats and just come forward. Say, God, I, I want to see the God who sees me. And if I could have the prayer team come and just be here. If you're that single mom that rejected, cast aside, you think nobody knows, you think nobody understands what you've gone through, you think nobody sees the, the mess that you have to deal with. God brought you here today to tell you, I see you. I see you and I love you. You're known to me. I love you. You're known to me, God says. I love you. I know when you come in and I know when you go out. I know what you think. I know, what you, I know your thoughts before you say them. I know your hurt feelings. I know your broken hearts. I know the wounds. I know the regrets. I know the shame. You're known to me. I see you. And I just want to lift that from you today. I just want to remove that from you today. Pray team, you can start praying with those that are here. We just want to pray, shame be gone. We just want to break, break condemnation and regret. Grace pulls down to the lowest areas. And it puddles there. So today right here at the altars before you, God, we stand in a puddle of your grace, Lord. <laughs>
if you're not up here and, and you're okay then would you just pray this way would you just pray that that the puddle of grace would rise that it would hit their ankles that it would that the grace would rise and it would hit their calves that, that the level of grace would pull that it would get to their knees that they would be walking in in heart because they're walking in so much grace in a pool of their of, your, of his grace today let's pray just for a few minutes church let's pray hallelujah 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 your mercy flows like a river wild a flood of love that will never run dry Kiss my heart with eternal life And open my eyes to the glory of Christ And always faithful Even if the love of all grows
So moms, we love you. Dads, we love you. Young people, children, we love you. We just release you in the name of the Lord. Please, before you leave, just hug on a couple people. Kiss a couple people before you go. Be blessed, Father. We just thank you for your presence and your power, Lord. Be with us as we come together with our families to celebrate and rejoice in you, Lord God. Thank you, God, that you see us, that you know us, that you care for us, that you love us. Amen. Amen. Amen.